First John 3, 11 to 24. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. I can see you all. My name is Zim. Uh, clearly, I'm one of the ordinance here, uh, training for becoming a vicar. That's what that means. I'm also slightly worried how many balloons are going to come from the ceiling whilst <laughs> I'm speaking. I don't know if Jake you saw that. Um, but we'll see. We'll find out. That'll be a little kind of Easter egg as I preach. Um, now, I wonder how your week's going and whether you've been on the tube at all uh, this, this week, this evening. Um, and if you've ever had that experience of maybe being on the Northern Line, you saw on the guest tube to church, and... You, you sort of maybe wake up from the book you've been reading or, or from the sleep you've been having on the tube and you realise you're halfway to Morden and you need to get off that train as quick as possible, cross the platform and get back down to Clapham Common. Um, a few nods, a few smiles, that's a common experience. I've had that quite a few times myself. Um, I've sort of I've been on the tube, maybe engrossed in the book or maybe fallen asleep on some poor person's shoulder and woken up. And I think the closest I get was being one stop away from Morden and thinking, Goodness me, get off this train right now. Um, now, why do I bring that up? It's because that tube journey, and wherever I am, when I wake up and kind of look up at the tube map, see the stuff on my, on my look again and think, gosh, that's not right. Um, it's like a little test, a little opportunity to check what direction I'm heading in versus where I should be going. And the letter of one John, this life series we've been going through, it's a bit like that. There are these sort of tests that John throws into his letter. And they're an opportunity to check the direction of our, our Christian lives against the map of what true Christian faith looks like. And so when we come to 1 John, it sometimes feels very binary because just as you might be heading towards Morden or towards High Barnet, while in 1 John you're either in the light or in the dark, either in truth or in lies. And so he presents to us these tests. And, and here's a test in today's passage, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says this, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. 
And so the test in this passage is a test of love. And it helps us check our life direction. Are we, are we someone whose direction of life would be described as life, life with God, or death? Now, I'm aware that I've just gone from zero to intense quicker than a Lamborghini, and you're sat there thinking, yikes. But I, I want to really encourage you. I want to encourage you that actually at today's passage, for many of us, we're a real boost, an opportunity to say actually where I'm heading is life. This love, actually, I, I do see that in my life. And actually, if you're someone who's worried that actually maybe, maybe I don't feel like this might apply to me, well, I want to show you that there is hope that actually as we come to this passage, John says, here's how to know that you can leave today being assured, being confident that this life is yours. And so why don't I pray for us as we uh, look, at, look at this together. Let's pray uh, quickly. Our Father, we thank you so much that... Um, Christ is the one who, who's rescued us. And as we sang earlier on, we want, we want him to be magnified. We want him to be uh, seated on the altar of our lives. And so as we look at his love for us and our love for each other in return, we ask that you would help us to receive these things with open hearts, with warm hearts, with soft hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Straight out of the blocks, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 tells us, love for fellow Christians is the key test that we are God's children. Love for fellow Christians is a key test. We are God's children. Look at verse 11. It starts like this. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. After recent kind of by-elections, I'm not sure if you saw one who follows politics. We've got a few uh, different kind of civil servants and uh, politics workers in here. And as you know, many people in the media are excited. They're all kind of raising the prospect that actually the next general election, maybe next year, maybe the year after. It could be the first time since Tony Blair that Labour win a general election. And you know, as you think about that, Tony Blair, you think about his famous election sort of campaign, education, 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 simple message. Well, since the beginning, John says, Jesus had a simple message. Since the beginning, his message was love, love, love. He says that really clearly in this passage, this is a command that we received, that we should love one another. You know, the night that Jesus um, washed his disciples' feet, John's Gospel, chapter 15, he says this, after washing their feet, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And you know, the early church that received that command, they took it so seriously, they took it to heart, they were marked out in a brutal Roman Empire, not known for its love. The first Christians were marked out by their selfless love. Um, one historian called Eusebius from the ancient church, he, he wrote this about them in, in how they responded to the plagues. All day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, to countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine, and distributed bread to them all. You see how these first Christians went out of their way to love those around them, whether they're Christian or not, without discrimination, they, they lay down their lives loving people. Christian love has always welcomed the outsider. You know, this actually wasn't part of my sort of sermon notes, but as Bunny prayed earlier on for, for the Middle East and she actually prayed for the church, I just thought, wow, what a difference it would make for the church to be known for that love in, the, in this part of the world, in Palestine, in Israel, for the church to again show that selfless love. So let's, they need our prayers. 
But as we come back to us and we think about this love that the church showed to the world, actually it's, it's not really the, the central message in today's passage, although we see that elsewhere in the Bible. When it comes to the test of love, John says it is about love within the Christian community. I don't know if you spotted that. Verse 11, the message is we should love one another. Or verse 16, Christian brothers and sisters. And so what's happening here is that those who call themselves Christians were being invited to check, do I actually love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Do I, do I love them? And this love is a test if we're a true believer. And you might be asking yourself, well, why is this just about loving other Christians? Surely there's all sorts of people to love. And what we're going to see is that it's a love that well, the world cannot be expected to, to have because it is a love that is unique to Christians and so marks out those who are really God's children. Have a look at verse 12. It'll come up on the screen or in your Bible. John says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And he goes on, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, lots, there's lots going on there, lots to unpack. Um, but the big point is this, that Cain, this, this guy back in the Old Testament, all the way back in Genesis, his attitude towards his brother is, is somehow meant to represent the world's posture towards uh, Christians. And now let me just put you at rest. This is not saying that everyone who's not a Christian is sort of secretly plotting to kill you if you're a Christian. Uh, that, would, that would be ridiculous. That, that would not make sense of experience. As you, as you walk through Clapham Common on your way to church, I mean, if that was the case, it'd be a really interesting walk, wouldn't it? Like, um, he's, he's not saying that that's what's happening. What he's, what he's trying to say is just, just general, generally speaking, uh, the world is much more accepting if you align with it rather than align with Jesus. And actually, that's just a true experience of most Christians, uh, whether it's Christians who are persecuted in Iran or it's just you as a Christian here in London and maybe your, your work colleagues think you're a bit backward-minded for going to church and following Jesus. Uh, that's the experience. And so John says... What we're being invited to here is to look at love for one another as Christians as a mark of God's children. Because we only do this not because, you know, it's great banter or because that person has the same games and interests as me. We, we love each other because actually we love Jesus. And so I look at that person, that brother, that sister in Christ, and I say, I choose to love them because Jesus loves them. And so do you see this love is a love for Jesus. And actually, well, a love for Jesus that can only be expected of those who are God's children. And so this is the love that we're asking about this evening. Do I love Jesus' family? And John says it matters because here is the difference between life or death. Verse 14 again. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Again, this is a challenging verse. It might seem really quite a difficult thing to stomach. But actually, I want to really encourage you. I want to say to you, this is a verse that is for those who might doubt whether they belong to God. You know, many of us from time to time would doubt, does, does God really accept me? And this is saying, you can know. You can know that you have life. You can know that you have that life with God that begins now and goes on into eternity because all you need to do is look at the obvious signs in your life 
of how you love God's people. And you can know that that is the evidence that the life of Christ is in you by the Spirit and is, and is changing you and will go on into eternal life. And so what an encouragement for us. What, what good news for many of us who struggle with doubts. Your love for God's people is the life of God in you. And maybe if you worry, if you think, well, I'm hearing what you're saying, Zim, but um, actually I'm looking at my life and I'm concerned. Well, again, we're going to see that you can have that assurance. It can be yours today, that, that confidence before God is a decision you can make to have because John is going to show us how we can do that, how we can, if you like, get off the train, change platforms and live out this love. And so that's where we're going to spend our time now. We're going to just look, how do we know if we have this love? How do we know if we have this love? Well, John's going to show us this, that Jesus' sacrifice moves us to love with action. Jesus' sacrifice moves us to love with action. His sacrifice moves us. Look at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The test of love, well, it's not an exam that you revise for. It is a gift that you receive, a gift of love. I mean, Christ's blood, his self-sacrifice, which moves you into loving others. Do you know this, this love of Jesus, this sacrificial love which wants to woo your heart and win your affections? You might remember a few years ago, there's, there's boys uh, stuck in a cave in Thailand. Uh, people remember that, that story. And, you know, those boys in this desperate situation and they needed a rescue and could do nothing themselves. And you had these brave divers who volunteered to save them, to rescue them from this cave. And actually one of the divers died in the act of rescuing these boys. And when they were told this, they, these boys, without anyone telling them, they, they broke down in tears. They were won over, melted by his affection for them. And they promised all of them to be good boys because of this guy's love for them. Do you know the love of Jesus for you at the cross? His great love that, that God the Son would leave the bliss and the glory of heaven, come in the flesh and lay down his most precious possession, his own life and self, to make you his own. Get this, when you did not even know or care that that was an issue. 1 John chapter 4, later on in this letter, says this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Such a gift of love moves us, makes us want to break out and sing that classic hymn, Were the whole realm of nature mine? That would be an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Do you know this love? Doesn't it want to make you rejoice? There's a, a writer called Ed Welch. He helps us see the, the dimensions, all the dimensions of God's love at the cross. You know, at the cross, we see a father who pursues, forgives, and adopts you. A creator who remakes and renews you. We see a priest who cleanses, substitutes, atones, and sacrifices himself for you. We see a judge who pardons and justifies you. We see a king who liberates and conquers sin, death, and Satan for you. We see a husband who purchases, reconciles, and redeems you. This is how we know what love is. Have you received this love? Does it not want to move you? 
This love fills us and overflows and we think, gosh, I can't help but love those around me when I know I'm so loved. And we look at God's family and go, yes, to loving these people because Jesus loves them this much. Amen? And so verse 16 goes on like this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so you see, Jesus' sacrifice moves us to love with action, to follow his example and to lay down ourselves for the good of our brothers and sisters. Now, here's the thing. I hear that language of sacrifice and laying down self, and I think, you know what? There's always been a part of me that, you know, I'd just love to go out in a blaze of glory, one big bang, you know, just, just end life in an unforgettable way. And you know, so when I, maybe I listen to a song like Bruno Mars singing and goes, you know, ah, I'll catch a grenade for you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, bring that on. I'll catch a grenade for you. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And he says, I'll put my hand on the blade for you. I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. Or I'll, I'll jump in front of a train. Like, yes, I'm down with that. I can do that. And so, you know, there's this desire to be a superhero and to wait for that one moment. But actually, it's not like that. John says, it's not about waiting for the one day you get to be a superhero. Actually, it's being a hero in the everyday it's, it's choosing to love uh, in the ordinary needs of our brothers and sisters, everyday action. This is the love that, that Jesus had. Um, he he, he kind of displayed this love. He, his death on the cross was not a sort of one-off thing. His whole life was a dying to self. His whole life was him setting aside his glory. You know, we think of him walking hundreds of miles to teach people who are in need. We think of him feeding the hungry. Uh, we think of him spending time with people who are social outcasts. We see him uh, bearing insults from the confused and the angry. And so we're invited to do the same. Uh, look at verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so John paints the scene. What would this love look like? Well, verse 17, he paints this picture. Well, imagine someone, a Christian, has material possessions, they look and they see a brother or sister, they see the need that they have, but they have no pity in them. How can the love of God be in that person? Love looks like action in the everyday needs of our brothers and sisters. And I want to say, many of you should be encouraged by this actually, because what I have seen anyways, time and time again, many at HEC have this love. Uh, I know many of you love with your homes, for instance. Uh, I, I study, I study uh, for ordination up in North London, so I kind of live there, it makes sense. But actually, time and time again, uh, there are people here in this church who have thought, last minute, night before, I need someone to stay to save me a long commute back home and add a drop of a hat, open up their home, put me up in a spare room. Just loving with their homes. Um, other people here would love, love with your money. Many of you love with your money. I think of uh, the response of Revitalized 250 we've just seen. What a great response. People saying, actually, this is my family, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love with my money here. But actually, just in the everyday things, I think with the one church event I was at, and afterwards someone came up to me and said, look, these books you're trying to sell to people who, who, to buy, well, if there's anyone who can't afford it, I'll pay for all the books. Isn't that amazing? Really wonderful. Many of you love with your time. 
Uh, yesterday we had Alpha Day. Shout out to all the Alpha, Alpha leaders if you're here. Um, anyone here? Hands up. Yeah, Rosie. Great, great, great. Just one. <laughs> Josh there. Bro. Um, it's good to have you guys there. And, you know, many of you guys love your time because I'm, I'm embarrassing them now. But actually, you know, yesterday they could have had a Saturday line. They could have sort of stayed in bed. But they chose to sacrifice their line and most of the day to be there welcoming and serving guests. And that's just a wonderful way of loving God's family. And, you know, so Alpha Leaders, we love you guys, and you're a great bunch, especially this year's leaders, the best, I think. Um, Really good to have you guys. And it might be that actually maybe for some of us, we hear these examples and we think, gosh, that's a lot of stuff, Sim. Um, And it maybe just feels a bit overwhelming. And we wonder, do we really have the capacity to do this, to be going, you know, left, right, center, serving everyone's needs? Isn't it just going to exhaust me? And I want to say, you can't serve everyone. You can't help everyone. Uh, one writer, John Stutz, says, here's how to know when to love with action. Firstly, we need to ask ourselves, have I seen and understood a Christian's need? And the reality is, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to, be able to see and understand everyone's need. It's going to be limited how many people's needs you actually get to see up close and personal and understand. And then secondly, we ask ourselves, am I capable of meeting this person's need. And again, even for those needs you do see and understand, you're going to need to ask yourself, am I in a position to love this person with the person that God has made me? And that's going to be different for different people. And so I want to encourage us that we can do this. We can can step out and love people with our actions. And it might be that actually for some of you here, this is just, I'm new to church. I don't know how to love anyone here. I I hardly know what their needs are. And so actually maybe the best thing to do is just, after the service, head to the Get Connected stand, ask, how can I join a connect group so that people can see your life, you can see their life, they can see your needs, you can see their needs, and you can begin to love with action. For others of us, we might be hearing this stuff, and maybe it just puts the finger in us, and we think, you know what, I'm just not sure that I've been up for this so far. And, you know, I want to encourage you that actually this is something to step into. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh, later in this Lesser says this, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, well, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. Let me kind of give you an example of this. I, I used to work in an office in, in Central Town some years ago, and there was a Christian security guard, and you know, we got on really well, uh, you know, had lots of chats. He would talk about faith all the time downstairs when I should be upstairs at my desk, and I'll be late for work, but it's great, great chats. Um, and over the months of talking to him, I began to realize, actually, this guy's a Christian, but he, he said he doesn't have a church. I thought, gosh, I'm going to give him a hand. I'm going to help him. So I said to him, don't worry. I'm going to go away. I'm going to look at the internet. I'm going to find churches near your home, in your area. I'll send you a whole load of links. You can look at them and let me know how you get on. And so I sent him all these website links. A few weeks later, we caught up. I was like, oh, how's it going, by the way? Did you see the churches? Did you have you looked at the websites? And he said, yeah, thank you. Um, and I kid you not, he said this. I don't like them. They look like the kind of place where people want to come round to my house. <laughs> isn't that the point? <laughs> isn't, isn't that what's meant to happen at church? Um, and it's just, you know, here is someone who claimed to love God, but actually had no real desire to love God's people. And John would say, how can the love of God be in that person? 
And so it might be that you're hearing this and you, you feel like this is putting a finger on you. I don't know whether you, it's raising things to you as you hear that. Now, there could be all sorts of reasons that you're feeling that way. It might be that actually you're just someone who's an oversensitive Christian. You're, you've got a really tender conscience. And actually, you need friends around you who will remind you, actually, we do see your life and we do see how you love people. It might be that actually you're someone who's exploring faith at the moment. You're, you're still kind of looking into Jesus. And, and so you, you can't say that you've received Jesus' love for you. And so this is not something that you're able to step into at the moment. But it might be that you believe in Jesus. But somewhere along the line, you've just somehow closed your heart and closed your affections to stepping out in love for God's people. And to taking those everyday actions and that could be for any reason. It might be that maybe actually you, you're just not at the moment seeing Jesus' love for you. There's something getting in the way. And you're not seeing and experiencing his love for you. It might be that actually there's, there's some struggle you're facing in life, a really, something, a really difficult situation. And actually you just feel like it's caused you to be quite bitter. And, and actually if you're honest with yourself, it's caused you to be quite curved in on yourself. And you're not able to sort of look out and meet the needs of others because you just feel completely consumed by this thing. And I guess I want to invite you that actually, whatever of those things you are, God's plan for you this evening is for you to have rest, for you to have confidence before him, for you to see that receiving Jesus' love for you and stepping into loving others is the rest that your heart needs and longs for. And so we're going to end just quickly looking at this point here, that practicing love puts our hearts at rest. Uh, this is going to be very brief. We'll have a look at verse 19. It says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Now, that's the verse referring backwards and forwards. This is how we know. That's referring to loving with action. If we're doing that, it says, we belong to the truth. You can know that you belong to Jesus Christ and that you have that life in him. And so that's a great encouragement if you can see that in your life. But also when it says, this is how we set our hearts at rest, that is referring forwards to those who struggle to be sure that they belong to Jesus. Even the best Christians will have experienced this kind of uncertainty. In the ancient church, uh, the fourth century, there was a, a godly woman called Olympia, part of a church in Constantinople, and she had this sort of crisis of confidence, of faith, because she watched her, her beloved pastor, a man called John Chrysostom, watch him get persecuted and exiled. And she thought, how can God be with me? How can God be with us if he could let this happen? And so she began to really doubt her own faith. And she had a sort of spiritual depression and what's really interesting is how her pastor uh, tended to her restless heart. He wrote this in one of his letters. Come now, therefore, and I will scatter the dust of your despondency by another means. Ponder upon the ocean of your love, which you have opened up to the very ends of the earth. For it is not only your own house which you have opened to everyone coming to it, but everywhere on earth and sea, many have enjoyed this honor bestowed through your hospitality. Rejoice! in the hope of the crowns and the heavenly rewards for these things. Do you see how he reminds her of her love for God's people? 
I think a pastor knew the letter of 1 John very well. And so I want to invite you that you too can have that confidence before God. As we step into what John says, God would have of us. It comes up in these last few verses, verse 21 to 24. Just have a look at verse 23. This is how God says we can have confidence. Verse 23, God's command is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. And when we do this, verse 24, God comes and he lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit himself fills us with confidence, gives our hearts rest before God. And so here's the response as we end. It might be that you're here and actually you've never received this life for yourself. You wouldn't say with any confidence that you have life with God that goes on into eternal life. And I guess God is inviting you today, this evening, to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, to rest in him, and to receive from him the Holy Spirit and that confidence that you belong to God and that you have life. It might be that you're here and you're someone who say, yeah, I, be- I believe in Jesus, I- I'm a Christian. But actually, maybe you just sense that actually you've, you've stepped back from Christian community. You're here on a Sunday, you go, you go home, but actually the desire, the, the love, the interaction, the serving others' needs, that is something that your heart has become closed to. And I would love to encourage you that actually this is inviting you to again to say, there is confidence that can be yours before God, and you just need to ask him to fill you afresh with the knowledge of Jesus' love for you, of what he's done for you on the cross, and to ask him to fill you with that sense of just a gratitude uh, to step out and to love God's people once again, and to, and to look for those everyday ways of including people in your life and you in, you in their life. And so we're going to stand, uh, let's, let's stand together as we respond to this in prayer. Father, we've heard the message which uh, Jesus preaches from the beginning. Now we should love one another. And how we thank you that this love does not come from us, but from you. A love from above. Your son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. Uh, We thank you. We love you. We thank you for how you have loved us first. We praise you so much for all those who are here who know that this love is a work in their lives. We thank you for all the ways in which... uh, People here are stepping out and loving in action. And we just praise you for all of that work in our lives. Amen.